I might I might bead a little while we're chatting. I love that. What are you working on right now? I have a, like a kind of a freehand floral something that's built around a cufflink that I'm reclaiming. <laughs> so I don't really know what it's going to be. It's maybe a necklace. It's maybe a bolo tie. It's maybe a patch or a pin. I don't know, but it's it's getting kind of big. This is Queers at the End of the World Presents, a feature where we bring you brief introductions to media made by queer and trans creators. We figure every time a queer enjoys another queer's media creation, somewhere along the time stream, a cop quits his job. And today we're bringing you a short story that underlies a lot of the questions that we've been asking in this season. It's called A History of the New World, and it's from the 2020 short story collection Love After the End, an anthology of two-spirit and indigo-queer speculative fiction edited by Joshua Whitehead. We're bringing you a snippet of our interview with the author of that story, Adam Garnett-Jones. Adam is a Cree, Métis, Danish, two-spirit screenwriter, filmmaker, beadworker, and writer from Amiskwachi, Waskagen, also known as Edmonton, Alberta. Adam came into his own as a filmmaker with the release of his first feature, Fire Song, at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2015. Fire Song went on to win loads of awards and jury prizes, and Adam has also written an award-winning novel based on the film that was published in 2018. He's made more movies, including his follow-up feature, Great, Great, Great. He's now focused mostly on writing fiction and creating custom beadwork primarily for other Indigenous artists, and being the director of TV content for APTN, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, which is the first Indigenous broadcast network. We've got just a snippet of the hour we spent with Adam. We had a software glitch during recording and learned the hard way about creating multiple backups, but we wanted to give you what we could from our time with this generous artist. So we'll follow his example as a bead worker and work around what we've got left, adding a bit of additional audio kindly lent to us by the Ottawa Writers Festival from the book launch of Love After the End in 2020. Speaking of Love After the End, we can't recommend enough that everyone go out and read it. It is an absolutely fantastic anthology of utopian writing by two-spirit and queer authors. If you're interested in alternate futures and tired of all the gloom and doom and heroic cis white guys of apocalyptic fiction, as y'all know we are, this is a book that will take you somewhere totally different. Adam's story in that volume really in some ways motivated a lot of the themes and questions that we've been exploring all season. So here's Adam speaking about some of those themes as part of the book launch for Love After the End from that 2020 Ottawa Writers Festival. I love speculative fiction and was thinking a lot about... um, how a lot of it is about creating new worlds and thinking about new worlds and about humanity moving from one place to another. And that for me really led to thinking about how much we depend. And I think that maybe European people depend on the idea of like always going somewhere new, even like Western narratives, like the classic Western depends on the idea of like expanding West into this unknown, uninhabited territory, and how that's always at the expense of Indigenous peoples. And so thinking about that in terms of like a fantasy science fiction context, that that created a question for me about like the ethics of an Indigenous person becoming a colonizer, potentially, and how they would think through that. And so that's kind of how I arrived at that question of just thinking like, where's my place? And maybe, you know, where's all of our places in this kind of writing? We asked Adam about the choice that his Indigenous main character, M, has to confront in History of the New World, about whether to leave the earth behind and go off in search of a new, more hospitable world. And he immediately turned the question around on us. So, I mean, I, this isn't, see, now I'm just turning the tables, but... <laughs> 
Yes, turn the tables on us. As somebody who is reading the story, do you feel like M is going to leave? That's a great question. You know, what 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 I read in M was like that the story is kind of located in that moment where you're trying to figure out something that you also already know. But Nino, I'm curious about how you read it and if it was similar. Yeah, I think I would say that I was sort of like, you know, on the edge of my seat about like, knowing that it wouldn't be the right choice for them, but also knowing that people make wrong choices for themselves all the time. And, you know, kind of not knowing where the story would go, um, wondering if it was a, a story about regret or a story about not making that choice. And I feel like the way that the character, you know, doesn't ultimately make the choice themselves. And oof, that moment of having to be confronted by your kid and the things that you ask of your kid, um, I also feel is a really amazing moment and one that, you know, kind of doesn't get talked about enough, the ways in which parent-child relationships are a negotiation And as much as like people want to make all the right decisions for their kids, sometimes whether we know it or not, we're asking our kids to make the right decisions for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so curious, like, I I wonder, is there like an average response like to the story where a lot of people have said I knew or I was shocked? What's it been like? I've never asked anybody that question. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It actually it, it just occurred to me as as you were um, talking about that, like, oh, I wonder how important the question of of going or staying is mm-hmm. to the reader, and and how um, inevitable M's choice seems mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're reading the story. It's funny. I mean, the, the the story came about because, and this is maybe the silliest way to write a story, <laughs> but Josh, uh, who is the the editor of the book. Um, had a bunch of uh, stories that they wanted to include in the collection. And I think that there were, was room for two more stories. Mm. Um, and so at the time, Josh put out a call saying, hey, we're, we're doing this um, collection of two-spirit utopian stories about queerness after the apocalypse. And I saw that and I just thought, well, that's cool. Mm. <laughs> I, should, I should write a pitch um, because I've, I've never written anything in that speculative fiction space, even though I, I really love that genre. And I just felt like I'd, I'd written a lot of things that were inherently you know, sad. Uh, and so the challenge of writing something that was um, post-apocalyptic and also had an element of utopia and was, you know, spirit and and um, for a young audience all just seemed like really interesting challenges and and I, and I think that um, if it, I didn't have that question of utopia um, and also if I had more space to, to keep writing it rather than being a short story I think I probably mm-hmm. would have written the ending or, or the, the story would have included M actually making the wrong choice but the story had to contain the seeds of utopia so how to you know, that was a real challenge for me as somebody who's talked a lot about really difficult real life things in mm-hmm. in my work is to give the reader something that feels that feels beautiful. And it's not something that I had really done in writing or filmmaking before. And I mean, I think that there's a lot of I mean, there's just a lot of, of sadness and difficult stuff in the story. But mm-hmm. yeah, that prompt toward utopia, the prompt, prompt toward making something beautiful and, and really giving that as a kind of a gift to readers, especially young readers. 
I think that was, that was really important for me and, and also just important for this community of Two-Spirit writers because so often when we're forced to imagine our futures, they're not great mm-hmm. <laughs> because often yeah. we don't have great material to work with in our pasts. And so, you know, those, those, those future imaginings tend to be traumatic or can be. Mm-hmm. So our conversation went way further. We talked about beadwork as a space of reclamation and a practice of queer community building, about the joys of moving house and houses across Adam's multimedia work, about raising kids and family making and learning to parent from your children. And many of those themes and conversations have stayed central to the season. We'll close with Adam talking about another one of those central questions. This idea that everything has to change and its importance to queer narratives of utopia. This is another clip from the fantastic conversation moderated by Joshua Whitehead at the Ottawa Writers Festival in 2020. That whole conversation includes four contributors to Love After the End, and it's a stunner, and it's also in the show notes, so we highly encourage you to check out the whole thing. Meanwhile, we'll close up this episode of Queers at the End of the World Presents with Adam Garnett Jones talking about the queer urge to leave everything behind. I think that it was really important for me to think about the idea of having history or not having history. We're still in such a hangover from modernism where people want to just, you know, clear the land, smash everything down and start from scratch. And so having the character of Thora in the story, she's a character who really, I think as many queer people do, and particularly white queer people, is really empowered by the idea that we can just we can just level everything to the ground and we can build ourselves a new utopia. You know, I think that that is something that's really exciting for her. And, you know, Thora's partner, M, carries all that history with them and isn't able to just clear away all that history and and start from scratch. And I think that that's a lot of, I guess, what's at the the heart of like the queerness or the indigeneity of that story is just confronting all of those things with all of that history, all of those ancestors attached consistently through every time, every moment that they have, they're bringing that knowledge and that history and that experience with them and that it's impossible to sever those things, even even as an idea, even as a fantasy or a dream of, of the future, you can't leave that that history behind. That's it for this Queers at the End of the World Presents. You can find links to Adam's work in the show notes for this episode. Find Love After the End, an anthology of two-spirit and indigo-queer speculative fiction wherever you buy your books. It's out from Arsenal Pulp Press, and check back with us in a couple of weeks for our final episode of Season 2. Good luck out there, dear hearts. Hearts.